do, 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 do. Hello, my name's Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. Can you hear me now? Yes. You can hear me? Yep. Oh, good. Um, Zen Parenting Radio, this is episode number 211, sweetie. Zen Parenting, is, Zen Parenting Radio is a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom and a logical and practical dad. We have three daughters, ages 7, 10, and 11, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember, sweetie, that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Correct. So we have many, many things we want to get to in today's podcast. We probably won't get to all of them. We might. Um, We're going to talk about a few quotes. So just to tease the audience there, the two quotes are, don't let the good get in the way of your best. Or I can just use different language. Good can be a detriment to best. Ooh, yours is shorter. Yes. I, I like shorter, baby. Good. Baby? Did I just call you baby? You did. You usually don't do that. I usually don't call you baby, baby. Uh, and the other one is actions express priorities. A guy in my men's group gave, threw me that quote that I've never heard before. But it's a Gandhi quote. I love it. And I hope we can talk about that. Um, and first, I want to play this clip from we are um, – January is um, tell a story of why your partner has your back month. Mm-hmm. It's focusing on how partners actually support each other because we often hear stories about how they do not, and really, parent or uh, partners are supporting their partners every day. So the way people do this is they get on our website. It says leave us a voicemail, and they get in and they do it. So we picked Jordan from Vancouver for today's entry, um, and then here it is. It's about I don't know forty seconds. Here we go, Jordan from Vancouver. I suffer from migraines. I get them about once every few months. When I tell Paul I'm getting a migraine, he closes the curtains, turns on my favorite soothing music, and gently asks me what I need. He'll bring me a cool washcloth or give me a neck massage, but I am most grateful for the energy that he brings to the room. He is calm and grounded when I'm feeling distressed and in pain, and I swear, his energy and understanding and just asking what I need makes it hurt less. Thanks. Love the show. She loves the show, sweetie. That's a great one. What do you think about um, her entry? I love it because I I have some um, personal experience with migraines. And I think that a lot of – I have my own belief system of why I think I get migraines. And a lot of it is because um, of feeling overwhelmed and things just pile up and I just – kind of have a toxicity thing that I need to relax and release. And again, this is my interpretation of mine. This may not be the case for everybody. And the best thing that somebody can do for me, I guess, including, you know, you is just allow me to rest. Mm -hmm. And when there's stress around, but we can't change the day or, you know, what are we going to do about this? Or, you know, or what sucks the most is when you have to travel and there's not, you know, that, adds to the pain because my body is saying I'm done, I'm shutting down. And if people don't allow you to shut down, um, that almost makes me want to cry thinking about it because that's really hard. I don't know what it's like to have a migraine, but I can't imagine how bad it sucks. It sucks. And it's and you don't have a choice. Like I think that's the thing. I mean, I get regular kind of headaches, you know, your typical headache where it just kind of hurts a little bit and that's a headache. But a migraine is really de- uh, debilitating and, you know, y- you it's difficult to open your eyes. And, um, and again, everybody has different symptoms. But for me, I even get nauseous. Right. So it's not like I can really go out and do what I normally do. So 
um, for someone to, like she said, she's even specifying that her partner even walks in the room with a certain kind of energy and just takes care of her. And gosh, what it's like such a relief, you know, because I, I usually use a hot water bottle. I get it really hot. I know. Do I do a good job of uh, soothing you? I think this guy does a little bit better job with his wife than I do mine. Well, no, you do a great job. But like I said, the hardest part is if you're gone or you're like, I have to go. Like if I get it in the morning and you're like, I can't not do what I'm doing. What about when Jordan says um, that his calming energy actually heals the migraine a little bit? I think that's completely – you know what? And calming energy for me may be different from what it is for her. Like she's specifying he walks in calmly, quietly, the washcloth, which are all kind of calming – giving activities that he's doing. He's making choices around that. For me, calming is that everybody's okay with the fact that I'm not on. Right. The stress for me is not just the giving me the, you know, a a washcloth or my hot water bottle, but also just being like, check out, go ahead and check out. Like that's freedom because then I can just sleep. But if it's, do you think you'll be okay by three? Which you have never done. That's my brain. Right. Um, But if I feel like, okay, it's 9 a.m., maybe I'll feel better by three. That's so intense and pressure filled. And, you know, we're talking about migraines, but this is a case when someone has the flu. Yeah, it doesn't matter. This is the case when someone maybe has a backache or a toothache. Like, I think we have to allow ourselves sometimes to just have the freedom to not feel good instead of make ourselves feel bad about the fact that we don't feel good. Yeah. I used to feel bad about feeling bad. Yeah. Now I just feel bad. Yeah. Just like surrender to it. Surrender. Because when you surrender to it, it heals faster. If you push against it and say, I shouldn't feel this way, and you keep trying to get up and you keep trying to work, your body's saying, well, you're still not doing what I need you to do. Right. So. That's for Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Not for you, sweetie. Oh, not for me? Um, So thank you, Jordan. So um, I do want to talk about what our big news for March 11th. Yes. We have our screening a documentary called The Mask You Live In, and it's all about... um, Redefining masculinity in our culture and also recognizing how, as a culture, we're kind of failing our boys. Boys have a higher degree of um, being um, violent. They have a higher degree they're of... Gonna, they're more likely to be in prison. They're more likely to commit suicide. They're more likely to... To, have, to be diagnosed with a behavior disorder. They're more di- uh, likely to be uh, medicated. So we screened this documentary about, uh, 10 days ago. It's really good. We're screening it at our movie theater on March 11th. Here's a quick, our movie theater is York theater in Elmhurst. So here's a quick 50 second thing, uh, preview from the trailer. I had anger issues in high school. I felt like an outcast. I've been suspended at least once every year I was here. We would just look for trouble and just like try to fight. Boys are more likely to act out. They're more likely to become aggressive. Most people miss that as depression or see it as a conduct disorder or just a bad kid. I felt like just giving up on life. You know, I actually had suicide thoughts in my head at sixth grade. I felt alone for, for a long time and I actually thought about killing myself. Whether it's homicidal violence or suicidal violence, people resort to such desperate behavior only when they are feeling shamed and humiliated or feel they would be if they didn't prove that they were real men. All right. So one thing that I want to reiterate that, you know, they say in the movie is a lot of times with our boys, depression 
shows up as behavior issues, acting out, aggressive behavior. So a lot of times with girls, depression becomes like, you know, goes internal where they get quiet and down on themselves, a lot of crying, a lot of emotion. Boys, even our society, don't really have a lot of permission to do a lot of crying. Right. So their depression shows up as aggression, behavior issues, authority, you know, trying to push against authority. Right. So I say that just because a lot of times with our boys, we'll just say boys will be boys. They mm. can just be really aggressive. And if that's going over a line that you feel comfortable with, sometimes that's them dealing with some difficult feelings. Well, and the one thing that uh, I don't know which book I got this from, but they one of the message I received from reading the book was that, yes, generally speaking, boys are more aggressive than girls. Where we get confused is we uh, say that 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 means that they're more violent and that isn't true. Right. So like the the makeup of boys generally speaking is they are more aggressive. But So it, define aggression so people can get um, more young boys. I don't know. Aggression just means um they're more rough they're rougher rough with housing. each other. Right. The the way they walk through the house, boom, boom, boom. Right. I have two uh cousins or ne- nephews that I just spent some time with and just the way they walk through the house is different than the way my daughters walk through the house. Right. It's more it's just like, louder yeah. and they they weigh less than my daughters, but they're louder. So, and I know there's probably a lot of parents right now that have either one of each or something and they know what they I'm can talking relate, about. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that their makeup, their DNA means that they're more violent. That is culture. That's society. That is our ability to be able to channel our son's uh, challenges energy, yeah. um, in a productive manner. And if they don't get that outlet, then it becomes violent. Right. So this documentary is a just informational. It, it kind of wakes you up a little bit and helps you understand what it's like to be a boy. And we really hope the dads show up. We want the moms and the dads to show up, but we hope the dads show up uh, because a lot of times when we do things, whether it's a presentation, it's a lot of the moms. So I'm I'm taking a... We want a balanced audience. Yes. Thank and, you very much. And also um, this movie, like Todd said, we have screened it and it's more appropriate, obviously more appropriate for adults, but kids should be around 16 years old or older. Uh, that it's There's a lot of information in it about rape culture and pornography, and it's really not appropriate for even a 12 or 13-year-old. So the name of the documentary is The Mask You Live In. It's on Wednesday, March 11th at York Theater in Elmhurst. Seats are limited. Don't delay. The movie is intended for adults and consider PG-13. Actually, uh, and I think PG-13 is not the right. So it's called PG-15, yeah. 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 And um, and the way to view the trailer and to get tickets will be in the show notes as well as on our website, sendparentingradio.com. Just click on events. Or so, kathycadams.com and click on And events. then our first partner is Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Uh, their phone number is 630-941-8733. Dr. Kelly, she's an amazing chiropractor and adjusts our whole family twice a month. So thank you, Dr. Kelly. Um, the name of the website is chirotree.com. So let's start talking about this quote, sweetie. Don't let the good get in the way of your best. What's that all about? So I was listening to a new podcast uh, by Rob Bell, um, and I think I've spoken about him on the show before. He actually has a show on the OWN Network now. I've only seen one of them, um, and it was pretty good. He's kind of like an up-and-coming spiritual thinker. He's written a few books. Uh, I think one of them is called Love Wins. I can't remember. It's not I, called Love Stinks, is it? You know, it's interesting. I have not read his books. He he's used to be a pastor or a preacher, and he started writing about um, m- more about. <laughs> 
he didn't. His approach wasn't very Christian. Let's right. put it that way. L- meaning, it was actually very Christian, but didn't follow all the Christian ideology that people tend to be more comfortable with. So he ended up deciding to just kind of become a speaker and a teacher and not running a church. Um, he got broader in his thinking. I think is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, he's got this this podcast that he calls the Robcast. R O B C A S T. Quite a play on words, Rob. <laughs> you can find it on iTunes and wherever. And on his first <laughs> podcast, he talked about something, a lot of things. But the thing that struck me the most was he said, "Sometimes great, excuse me, let me let me strike that. Start over. Sometimes good can be at the detriment of great." And what that means, or best. Mm-hmm. Which word did I use? Um, the quote says, don't let the good get in the way of your best. Okay, so let me say it again so I don't confuse people. Because okay. I've got a bunch of words written down in front of me and I have great. Um, don't let the good get in the way of the best. Or don't let good be a detriment to best. What does that mean? Basically, that means that a lot of times in our lives, we fill up our time and our days with things that are really good. Like, you know, we volunteer somewhere or we say we're going to go to this party or we say that we're going to show up for this event. And there's nothing bad about any of those things. They're good. You know, we show up at a sporting event that we said we'd go to or whatever. But if we were really to sit with ourselves we would know that that's not really the place we would like to be most. It's just the place that we find ourselves because we don't want to say no. We don't want to disappoint somebody. And as we're sitting there, well, I'll just give the example that Rob Bell gave. He was talking about that he was at a fundraiser. He and his wife went to this fundraiser because his friend was really into this cause. And, you know, he got seats at this table and he was sitting there listening to the speaker. And he said, I was eating the rubber chicken that they always serve. That's Mm, gross. I love that rubber chicken. (laughs) And he said, then he, he had a moment where he said, what am I doing here? He's like, this isn't my cause. This isn't really the place I want to be. My wife and I got a babysitter and we can't even talk to each other because we're at this table with all these other people. And what he also said that this is the important part for all of you. He said it's good to be here, Mm -hmm. meaning it's a good cause. It's not bad. It's It's not not a mistake. It's not a mistake. But he said really the best would be my wife and I going out and having an awesome dinner and spending some time maybe at a movie or together because that's that's best to me. That's Mm -hmm. what I want right now. And he said, so sometimes good going to the fundraiser is a detriment to best, which is spending time alone with his wife, which Mm -hmm. he never gets to do. So I just found that really good language that Todd and I are now able to use. We used it last night. Yes, because rather than arguing about is something worthwhile, most things people ask us to do are worthwhile. Right. There's very few people in my life. Because even if it's not, if it's, let's say it's not worthwhile or a waste of time or something you totally want to do, you wouldn't even entertain it as a possibility. People probably wouldn't be asking us to do something. But we we always, uh, and when I I say we, I mean our entire, uh, us in the audience, uh, the listeners, get invited to do a lot of things all All the the time. time. And most of the stuff is quality things like this one. Um, and I don't want to steal your mojo no, or cool. anything, Keep but going. like last night, like my, I belong to this thing called Indian princess and it's like daddies and daughters getting together and spending, you know, quality time. So they're per- doing this promotion for a hockey game. It's a, like a minor league hockey team. And I asked the girls and they're like, eh, I said, you guys want to go? Cause it's kind of fun. We went last year. We went la- yeah. We, we, yeah. We went last year. Mm-hmm. It was, it was okay. It was okay. Yeah. It was good. And I said, girls, you want to go? And they're like, ah, fine. And then I don't really, and you're like, no, I don't really want to go. And I was like, I don't care. Maybe we should go. So I basically used this quote to determine whether or not it was something I wanted to do. But my thing is like, 
I don't have any other plans Saturday night. Which can also be best. Right. But what happens if it's Saturday and we have nothing to do? That's my dream. I know. I mean, that's not everybody's dream. I know. But see, the thing is, is that weekend, that Friday, we're busy. Saturday during the day, we're busy. And Sunday all day, we're busy. Mm -hmm. So to say no to something because we recognize it's good and not best clears that space on Saturday night where we may do something completely spontaneous, which is best for me. I love spontaneity. Right. And that opens up that space for that opportunity. Right. So we don't have to fill every gap of our lives. I think it works, you know, no matter what. I mean, and if your best, and again, we're Todd and I always have to take it to these extremes, but if your best is that you never want to do anything and you don't want to go anywhere, I don't know if that really is a best. Right. What's best is what feels, this is where I know that people have common sense and they trust themselves. What feels good to you? Because so many people tell me things like, well, I had to go to this event this weekend. Then when it was over, I was so glad to get home. And then I got in a bath and I'm like, why'd you even go? If you if you felt so negative about it or if you didn't want to be there, it's almost like we're like mulling through mm-hmm. to get to the things we really want to do. But then really we don't have that much time to do it. Well, and what I was going to say is um, I used to think that like the currency around the world is money. Um, but now that I think about it more and, you know, I'm as, as – I'm in the same financial position I was 10 years ago. What I mean that I have some money coming in, I got more coming out. Mm-hmm. It's all about time. Like time is the currency that we should make our decisions on, yeah. not money. Yeah. And why would I want to go to um, a minor league hockey game unless I really, really, really wanted to go? Well, and one of the things that I've had on my vision board for a long time is it's it's either um, hell yes or it's no. Yeah. And what that means to me is if I get an email and someone says, do you want to do this? And I go, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. It's a hell yes. Yeah. If I get an email from someone and they say, hey, do you want to do this? And I'm kind of like, well, I might be able to fit it in. It might be fun. Then I know that's not probably right for me. And that can be socially. That can be work. That can be and, – and I trust that in myself. See, a lot of people will sit there and go, but what if it's fun? What if I miss out? See, that's a lack of self-trust. Mm-hmm. The work that I've been doing or many of you have been doing also is where you understand yourself and you have a you have such an awareness. You have such self-awareness that you can feel in your body whether or not it's right for you. And so if, you're, if you have difficulty making decisions and choices, then this may be a challenge for you. So we're doing this documentary in about six weeks or whenever it is, and let's use this discussion as yeah. an example. Let's say somebody's listening to it, and they're like, yeah, maybe I should go. Right. But maybe not. We are saying we don't want those people there? Well, I, this is, <laughs> you know, I mean... What I'm saying is that if somebody is interested, if it sparks their interest, then that's the place they're supposed to be. Right. Meaning don't don't wait to get your tickets. Do it. If someone's like, oh, that doesn't mean much to me. That's not resonating with me right now. It's not about we're saying we don't think you should go. It's about I trust your decision making. Right. One, one thing about self-awareness is if we're going to practice it, we have to assume everybody else has common sense too. Mm-hmm. I can't go around practicing self-awareness but saying, well, most people don't have it, so I'm going to force you to come here. Right. I have to trust that what I practice is something that you know, other people are practicing and the people who aren't yet, they'll get there on their own time. Right. Um, and that 
there may be some learning that they need to experience. Like there may be some people who show up who say, that's not really something I wanted to do. Right. And there's also going to be people who say, oh, I'm I so wish glad. I would have done that. Right. Or I'm so glad I attended. That I went. Right. It's all over the board. Right. So it's not, you know, it's not as cut and dry as these. Yeah. And I know I'm, I kind me. of painted you into a corner a little bit. So sorry well, about that. But, right. but, you know, we think it's important if you're listening to the show and you trust our judgment. No, if you trust your judgment. Well, our judgment in saying it's a good documentary. Right. That's that's huge. You're right. right. Like, do you trust our judgment in saying it's good? So you've got that. Right. And then do you feel like as a parent of a son mm-hmm. or as just, a, you know, a man in our culture who's who was a little boy who right. had maybe had these experiences or a woman who loves a man or, yeah. you know, has a son or has a dad, yeah. which, again, you're, you're seeing that that's all of us. Yeah. If you see that this could help you understand mm-hmm. the boys in your life, right. then it's definitely somewhere you want to be. Right. But again, people come to those conclusions in different times. True that. I um, still think it's going to be a full house, though. I think it is. And the greatest the part tickets is- tickets are rolling out. If they listen to this podcast and they choose to go, that tells us that the people who choose to go are hell yes. So it's going to be right. an exciting, Thank you. vibrant crowd. Versus the ones who said, oh, maybe yes, maybe no, maybe they choose not to go, but that's right. That makes space that's right. for, for the somebody hell yes people because we only have 250 seats available. So this is good, Todd, because that's exactly what I mean about some, I think in our youth, we're more focused on numbers mm-hmm. where we're like, I have this many friends and I go out to this many places and we're very focused on, you know, how many people or how many things we do. Right. And then we start to realize that. that's really not that important and that really it's about being with people who are interested in the same things you are or being with people who really want to be where you are and you want to be where they are. And that's at this movie. I don't want people there because they think they owe me. Mm -hmm. That's not why I want you here. We want you there because you want to be there. I want you there because it's a hell yes. And we're using the movie as an example for anything else. If for volunteering, for, you know – Coming out, going to dinner with people, you know, do it because you want to. Sweetie, I think the title of the podcast is going to be Hell Yes or It's No. It's either Hell Yes or No. Yeah, I like it. Um, so our second partner is Dr. John Kelly. Uh, he is our dentist. He does comprehensive dentistries all over the board. He does everything you want to do um, from a dentistry standpoint. Um, what he does for our daughters is what's called non-retractable orthodontics, and we're having a really good experience with him. Uh, he's developing our daughter's uh, teeth and mouth in a very healthy way. So we're big fans of it. Uh, maybe you will be too, chicagodentistonline.com, or you can give John a call. Always willing to help out and talk to you, 773-631-6844. So now, sweetie, you and I had a discussion about this country music mashup last week. Yeah. So will you set up what I'm about to play? Because yes. what I'm about to play is that YouTube clip of them showing it. Oh, good. So last week, I think it was my friend Lori Petro posted this. Um, she has a um, website or a Facebook page called Teach Through Love. And she posted this thing where it's like six different country songs that have been number one or close to it um, for in the past couple of years. And what this mashup that Todd's about to play shows is that they're really all the same song. 
and what made me laugh about them is I love all these songs. Right. And now I understand why I do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if any of you guys are country fans. I'm I'm kind of an undercover country fan, not because I'm not proud of it, but because no one in my family really listens to it. And nobody- yeah, and I'm not a country fan. Right. So because I feel like they all the songs sound the same. <laughs> and that's what was funny is Todd always says that. He'll say all country songs sound the same, and I'll say, no, they don't. They're stories. And now awesome. I have proof. Yeah, so go So ahead. I'm going to play two different clips. The first one is uh, just a line from like six different songs, and I'll kind of overdub what the name of the song is as it goes into the next song. So what he's saying is he's going to play this mashup that was created and each piece of he it like puts together these six songs and you'll realize you'll that hear it's 10 all the seconds of one and then yeah. it'll go the next one so here we go all right, so that's enough of that. So those so are. Will you read what the songs are well, so everybody knows? I feel like they were. It just said the lyrics, so I don't know if it was the song itself. Okay, I'll as you're playing the next part, I'll look it up. So well, the next part is the um, is the where they play them all at once. So let me. Yeah, just... that's and that's the most interesting part because you realize that they all can overlap on each other and sound exactly yeah. the same. I can't find it, but you'll you'll find it as you pull it up. But so now this is a mashup of all the songs being overlaid on top of each other. Um, and I don't know how long I'll play it for, but it's just an example of why I think all country music sounds the same. What do you got, sweetie? So these are the songs that are mashed up. And this is my favorite one is um, Luke Bryan's Drunk on You. Then uh, Shelton... What uh, Blake Shelton's Sure Be Cool If You Did, then Chillin' It, Florida Georgia Lines This Is How We Roll, Chase Rice's Ready Set Roll, and Parmalee's Close Your Eyes. So those are the six songs, and they all sound similar. So now the same. I want to move over to a funny movie line that you and I have fun with. Okay. And it's from a movie called This Is 40. Okay. And Paul Rudd <laughs> and what's her name? What's her name? Um, Leslie Mann. Right. They just came home from dinner and uh, Leslie Mann starts playing a song by Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj. Yeah. She and her daughters start dancing to it. So a song. they start dancing. So you're going to hear the part where they're dancing together. And then Paul Rudd as the father steps in and stops the music. So here we go. Why'd you take it off? Now something that really rocks. <laughs> this is called good music. From somebody's heart. Coming me out. This is fun. Seriously, just listen to these words, okay? Just listen to the words. Got my pills against mosquito death. I don't understand the words. <laughs> this is lyrics. This is poetry. This is what this is what is gonna survive in a hundred years. It just doesn't make people happy. It makes me happy. <laughs> I can dance to it. 
That is so our family. <laughs> that is so our family because the girls and I are either listening to like the six songs you just heard, right? Or we're listening to you know pop music and or dance music. And Todd is always trying to put in his my morning jacket. And no, you know what song I wanted to play? Like if I was Paul Rudd in that yeah. movie, for some reason when I was when I think of that scene, this is what I would play. I feel like Paul Rudd when I hear this music. But see, I love Led Zeppelin. I know you do. You want to know why? Why? Because Led Zeppelin is good. So, but this wouldn't count because now if I heard. Oh, you this, don't think the rooster is good? I don't like the rooster. Oh. I don't like that like raw raw music. Like I, there's something very poetic about this song and all the other music that I love. Yes, versus that we yeah. don't have. Yeah, you guys oh, have no stop poetry. It. Stop it. <laughs> Just listen to Robert Plant. It's okay. so good. I could play the whole song, but I'm not going to. Well, you can't also because that wouldn't be yeah, fair. Yeah, we'd get in trouble. Yeah, but the I love Tangerine too. I love Led Zeppelin, and I like that occasionally. But pop music, the reason it's called pop music is it's fun, it's uplifting, Upbeat. it makes you dance, and everybody knows the words. It's simple. Mm-hmm. It's simple. And a lot of those songs, like The Rooster and all that, like... So I want the dads who are listening to the show, just post on, just send me an email, and what is your Rooster song? Mine was tangerine for some reason. And a lot know. of times it is the case when, and I don't want to be over general because there are plenty of girls who may love the rooster, but <laughs> the, there are a lot of times when there's a family that has a lot of girls. Yeah. Like, you know, my, I have three daughters. It's my three daughters. Me, and Smokey. And Smokey, our rabbit, is a girl. And our fish, <laughs> hopefully, is a boy. Let's just assume um, it's a boy. But then there's Todd. And sometimes in the car, he just doesn't win because we want to listen to Pink. Well, you like Pink. I do like Pink. Raise right. your glass. So you like some of the pop music. I, and what's funny as an old fuddy-duddy dad that I am, it's so easy to be the Paul Rudd. But I'm telling you guys, and I say this to myself because I need this help too, I'm not doing myself any favors in establishing a relationship with my daughters if I completely put my hand up to everything that they like. Cause right. That's when your dad becomes really uncool and like he just doesn't understand me. Well, and that's exactly. Then your kids feel like my dad doesn't get me. And what Todd does a nice job with, and he's been doing this since they were little, is he will occasionally play them a Ben Harper song or a Jimmy James song or uh, who's your guy that you love? M. Ward. He guy. Yeah, M. Ward song. And so the girls know those songs yeah. and they like them, but you're not like, this is the only thing I'll listen to. Well, and one, I'll call myself out. I tend to, you know, those terrible shows that they watch. What are those? The, like where, the Disney ones? Yeah, the Disney ones yeah. where like every scene is like 22 seconds. And it's like, yeah, it's like candy yeah, for their little brains. Jesse and good luck to I refer to it as garbage. Yeah. And that's probably not a good, I should probably just say, I don't understand it. Right. But the fact that I call it garbage. Or instead of say, I don't understand it, say when I was your age, there were shows I liked just like this. Because I don't understand it is again saying, I don't understand you. Don't you think? But I don't understand it. I know. And that's there's, that's honest. Yeah. And you don't have to pretend you do. That's that's cheesy. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see Mean Girls? No. Okay. Amy Poehler plays the mom of, I think she's Rebecca's mom, okay. who is, you know, Rachel McAdams. And she just tries to be so cool and like love everything the girls love. Right. And, you know, she Ooh, that, lets her kids watch me videos. Too. Well, and that's the thing is that's when that's we talk good. about understanding your kid, don't pretend to be something you're not. Don't pretend to be 13 years old. Right. Just enjoy, appreciate yeah. that when they like a show, 
oh, when I was when I was your age, there was a show I liked called Blah Blah Blah. You get why they like it. But don't you think Brady Bunch is better than Jesse? But they like Brady Bunch. Jesse's just I don't I'm not. A, we've already talked about this. Which is the one that we don't like at all? Is it Jesse? Jesse, I don't like. I like What's Good the, Luck Charlie. Good Luck Charlie. Yeah, That's it. and it's similar in that it has those quick takes and mm-hmm. fast. You know, it, it's still produced the same way, right. but there's something a little more heart centered about it. The parents are actually. They're not a normal. bunch of yeah, yeah annoying people. Right. So anyway. All right. So let's move on. Um, and I don't know where I'm going to go with this, but I was in my men's group and my friend who's in the men's group named Sean um, told a story about this quote that he heard recently or maybe he heard a long time ago. Actions express priorities. And to be honest with you, within the context of the meeting, I was kind of thinking about other things. So I didn't quite grasp, but he sent a video and the quote is from Gandhi. I don't know in one context, in what context he said it or what he was talking about, but it's it's three words. And I think it captures the essence of many things that you and I try to teach. Actions express priorities. What that means to me, and maybe it means something to you differently, Kathy, is what you do is defining where your priorities are. So we always say things like, well, I wish I had more time to do this, or I wish I would do that. Um, but instead I have to, whatever, volunteer at school, or instead I have to work overtime or whatever. If those are what you're choosing to do, those are your priorities. And where it gets messed up is we say, oh, my kids are the most important thing in the world. But your actions might be saying something completely different. Mm -hmm. Maybe you only see your kids for a few hours a week because you leave for work before they wake up and you get home at eight o'clock and like the guy will say, well, I need to provide. Well, I don't know. Uh, Financial, providing financially is a part of the puzzle. And I think speaking as a man, we sometimes make it 99% of the puzzle. So if you say your family is the most important thing and you don't have any time to be silly or get stupid or have fun or connect with your daughters or your sons, those are your priorities. Your priority is your your financial support. I was just about to say your priority. And again, this is like good and best. Again, you know, at the beginning of the show, we were talking about good and best. And you're what you are showing with your action is that your priority is financial mm-hmm. and your priority is providing. Yeah. And that's good. That's yeah. not a bad thing. But you, what's getting lost is the relationship with your family. Right. And the best would be to have an understanding of that, you know, to enjoy your work and to do well in your work, but also have enough balance to be with your family. Right. I think that the way that I would say it um, – is your actions illuminate your priorities. Mm -hmm. They like demonstrate to the world what your priorities are. Now, I'll give you an example of maybe, you know, you're someone who anything that anyone asks you to do, you will say yes. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll volunteer for anything or you'll show up at anything. And again, some people will say, well, that's good. Aren't they nice? But what your actions are demonstrating are that you have a hard time saying no Mm or that you don't want to disappoint people, or that you only feel valuable if you say yes to everything. Or you'll put somebody else's needs... In front of your own. In front of your own. So it could be a self-worth issue. So you see how we're not sitting here calling out these things as being like, it's not bad to to enjoy your job and to do a great job. Good and best. But it's good and best. And your actions become, again, I like the word illuminate, they illuminate what your priorities are is that you may say, you may talk a big game of being close to your kids and you just want to know them and you just want to be close to them. But if you're always working, 
Or you may talk a big game about that technology is, um, you know, causing so many problems and I'm so afraid of my kid on technology, yet you're on the phone all the time. I'm so, I'm so guilty of that. Your actions are demonstrating that, that your phone is a priority to you. So you are then teaching your child yeah. that technology is important yeah. so or that you know it's super valuable and that yeah. they should want it too and so again living what you want your kids to learn that whole idea you you that's it goes back to everything we say here it starts with you mm-hmm. what what you demonstrate your actions speaks to your children a hell of a lot more than your words do exactly exactly i think that quote is amazing because not only about pointing out everybody else's things, but it shows me myself. It's yeah. another self-awareness tool. Well, and yeah, and it's a, it is a tool because the other side of this that impressed me with this quote so much is as a man, as a guy, sometimes you don't know what your priorities are. So an easy, a good litmus test to figure out what your priorities are. Look at your day. Look at what your day includes. If it's, if it's, drinking at the bar or golfing twice a week or you know maybe maybe it's healthy maybe you have a perfect balance between work and relationship with your wife and relationship with your kids and giving back to your church or whatever it is you might be hitting it out of the park right but if you don't know a good way to do it is log your day right log your week how much time are you spending doing this? And you know that? what's interesting is, again, because I always like to take it a little bit deeper, when you see what's written down, if you are golfing three times a week, what are you getting out of that? Because it's not just golf. What does golf get you? And what you've explained to me, because I'm not a golfer, is it's about conversation with guys that you're playing with. It's about kind of having that that sport competition mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. where maybe you can't play basketball every day anymore because yep. your knees are giving out. Right. You know, like it, there's still – there's something you're getting out of it, connection. You know what it is? It's more than anything, and I don't know if I would have shared this a year ago, but it's for me – male bonding yeah. on an energetic level because, I mean, most of the guys that I golf with are good friends of mine, but we don't have deep philosophical conversations about our kids or our relationships. We're talking about golf or we're talking about fantasy football. So what am I getting out of that? Some energetic bonding. It like goes back to, you know, generation, you know, as men, we don't do that enough. And that's why I started a men's group. Uh, because my problem with golf is I kind of get sick of having the same conversations and romanticizing our college years of how we used to get so drunk and stupid and happy and had all these funny stories. Well, you kind of run out of stories. So mm-hmm. I don't want to keep on regurgitating the same stories. So, but in golf, it's kind of hard to do that because it's a concentration game. And, you know, every shot, you know, if you're in the middle of a conversation with your buddy about a problem he's having with his daughter, and then he's got to focus on, you know, hitting a 250 and straight, it's not easy to do. So the golf course is not a good... So you're saying golf isn't a good time to connect? Personally, for me, it's not. The only thing I do get out of it is I'm outdoors with other men and... Competing, doing competing, sports. Competing, and, it, and it's an energetic thing, but it's not a dialogue, relationship thing. It's not the connection. It's a connection for many reasons, but the deeper connection with the deep conversation comes in a different arena. Comes in a different arena. And unfortunately, I think many men don't have that arena. Right. And that's why I started this men's group with Frank three years ago, and it's, it's one of the most exciting things that I've done. Right. You know, this podcast, being a, being a husband and being a father and the men's group, it's just, I don't know, it's just cool. Well, it it's serves you. It yeah. like feels good. You know, it's your best. Right. 
You know, it's your best. And so that's the thing is when we look at our day, you know, you don't have to make it so literal like, well, I volunteer all the time. So volunteering must be my priority. If volunteering only feels like a good thing in your life, dig deeper and say, what am I getting from that? Why do I do that? Because maybe you could free some space and have an open Saturday night. Maybe you can. It's interesting. Today, I had to disappoint two people already. You know, like the practice of disappointing people as challenging as it may be. Um, it frees you up yeah. and you realize that you have choices. We have control over our own destiny. Well, yeah. I can't stand it when people are like, oh, I can't because I'm too busy. It just means that we are choosing other things. And I have even said to groups of people, like I had to step back, step down from the preschool board. Right. And I could have easily said, oh, I'm just too busy. My priorities have shifted. Right. And I unfortunately for this group, think that I need to move in this direction. Because somebody who is at a hell yes needs to be in here. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm no longer a hell yes. That's right. Sometimes we overstay our welcome. Yeah. You know, we overstay our welcome in things because it's just something we've been doing. Yeah. So we get so used to it that we realize, and then, you know, someone will ask, well, why do you do this? And we'll say, oh, well, five years ago, mm-hmm. here's what happened. So I knew this is something I had to do. And then you're like, well, does that still happen? Yeah. Because maybe it happened five years ago, or maybe it happened with your first child when you were volunteering, but now you don't feel that. So yeah. that internal, this is where intuition comes to play. You got to be able to listen to yourself and realize what feels good. Well, when somebody, I learned this at my other men's group that I attended last week, and I shared this with you, but <clears throat> whenever I say no to anybody, like, you know, you said no to a few mm-hmm. people today, um, I always feel like I have to make an excuse right. of why I can't do right. something. And really, there's nothing wrong with saying no. Yeah. Just not right now. Yeah. No. And that's and not, that's hard to do. I'm not is. saying I'm in the position where I can say that, but at least now I'm aware of it. And that's where I want to go. Just say no. Well, it feels really brave and courageous to say no to something with complete integrity, mm-hmm. meaning to say no. And if there is a reason to give that honest reason, because one thing that I, I know is super important to me, I love the word integrity, and I don't want to build up a bunch of lies with people where I have to keep track of the things I've said. Yeah. Like it's one thing that I've always appreciated, and I know some people don't like this, but about the whole idea of social networking and Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook is initially when he started Facebook, there was some complaints about, well, now there's going to be this overlapping thing where the people I work with see the people I party with and the people in my family see the people. And and Mark Zuckerberg's comment was, well, why shouldn't they? What are you hiding? Why are you hiding pieces of yourself? And again, I don't, I think that we all have a right to privacy in areas of our life and that's why we have privacy settings now. But I find that interesting. Like if you're lying to people about where you are and then someone posts a picture on Facebook and you're busted, is it the fault of the person who posted the picture or was it your, did you create a situation because you lied about it? You know, it's just, it. I'm throwing that out there as a question, not as a judgment. Right. Um, but it's just so rewarding or it feels good to say to someone, I can't do this. And either just because it's just not right for me right now, or here's the truthful reason. And then everything is clean. We mess up our lives. Is that their words of wisdom for the week? Well, we mess up our lives. What I mean, Kathy Adams. What I mean is we make our lives messy yeah. because we throw a by lot choices of choices we make. By choices and things we say that can harm us later. I'm with you. So um, I want to talk about our last partner, okay. Avid Company, painting and remodeling in the Chicagoland area. Jeremy Kraft is the owner, good friend, and a bald-headed beauty. He is and bald. His, you guys just spent time together the we other did. day. I didn't post that picture of him. Well, you can still do that. Okay, good. 630-956-1800. 
Um, and then last, or maybe not last. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. So I have a tournament of bad, but there's um, a listener came up with a tournament of good, sweetie. Ooh, I like tournament of good. So should we end with the tournament of good or start with the tournament We're of good? We're going to end with it. So my tournament of bad is, you know how when you're crossing a busy street, they have the walk, don't walk sign? Yeah. And they have the button that engages the walk or don't walk sign that uh-huh. you're supposed to press it if like you're there. It like hurries it up. So I think when I was a little kid... Um, that button didn't exist. No, it kind of came when we were in high school, I think. So my question is, why is that button there? (laughs) Why can't you just have a walk? Like, why do you need to press the button to say that you're there? Like, does... It, does a light go longer or shorter yes. because there's somebody there? Yes. Is that true? Yes. Well, I think that's the whole intention of it. Now, it could just be a mind game that that sociologists have found that someone if, wants to press a button. If the du- see, that's what I think. If it's if the duration of the light is different because you press a button, I think it is. I'm all for it. Okay. But if it's a mind thing where you feel like you're in more control, it makes no sense to me. I think it must be because there are certain corners where people don't cross ever. Like for example, you know, I know, uh, but just because somebody might be crossing or not crossing, that doesn't talk about the cars that are there waiting. Of course it does. It, a crosswalk is based on the red light and the green light. Right. So if there's nobody walking, it's going to remain green. But what about the cars coming from the perpendicular direction? But see, that's always the case. You just have to be careful of them. When you when you get a walk, there's still people turning. Do you know what I mean? But like I'm just thinking about on York, like over by IC, mm-hmm. there is a crosswalk there. And when school is in session, mm-hmm. the kids push that button and it gives you a, a red it. light. Now, is it like that on all the settings? I think so. But again, to I, your point in the busy intersections, it's hard for me to believe that pedestrians are controlling those lights. Exactly. Yeah. So I need help from some uh, urban planner and help <laughs> me understand that. So the tournament is good is from a woman named Raquel. She says she loves this show so much. Thank you. She has a tournament of good. The new touchscreen soda machines that have every option in the world available in every flavor. I don't know why, but they make me so happy. They make me happy too. She says, thanks for all you do. You add so much balance and perspective to my 24-year-old life. I hope you guys are still around when I have kids. Aww. I love it when I hear that people in their 20s who don't have kids listen to this show because so I. I think they're getting it. It makes my heart go pitter patter. Yeah. Well, Do you they know get what it. movie that's from? No. It makes my heart go pitter patter. No. I think it won Best Picture in 1981. What? Sweetie, I was Chariots of Fire. 1982? 1980? I don't know. Listeners, what is that from? It, she makes my heart go pitter patter. I don't know. Give us more hints. No, our listeners don't need hints. Oh, it's from the early 80s and it won Best Picture or if it was in the You got to give more than just that quote because that's not a famous quote at all. I'll bet you somebody's. Is it a man or a woman? It's a man. And is he... That's a man, baby. <laughs> um, are, he's talking I... about his wife. He's an elderly man talking about his wife. Um, he's an elderly man talking about his wife and it won Best Picture. Mm-hmm. And we were 11 years old. Give or take. It's a good movie. I didn't think I'd like it. And then I watched it. I'm like, that's a good movie. It wasn't Gandhi. No. Gandhi didn't say she makes my heart go pitter patter. <laughs> but he said so many other amazing things. He said actions express priorities. <laughs> um, and let's see. So I did my tournament of bad. We don't forget about buying your... Your hat. Not just my hat, your hat, our hat. ZPR um, has a winter hat. It's available for sale. This weekend, this last weekend, we were with some friends, and they have the hat. 
and we had the hat, and my daughter wears her hat, and we're all wearing ZPRBU hats, and they all felt super cool. Um, I have, after, oh, also my book, uh, Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn, The Power of Self-Aware Parenting. You can find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, all those places, or you can find it on my website, kathycadams.com. Um, I also have a quote that I want to give. I want to give Ooh, my words of wisdom. You let's, ready? I'm ready. So this week, um, if you're listening to this, uh, we've already celebrated Martin Luther King Day. It was Monday. And um, first of all, Todd and I are really excited to see Selma. We're going to see it next Sunday. Sweet. So I don't have any comments on the movie yet, even though I've heard it's amazing and I've been reading about it for a long time. Um, so I'm just so glad that those, I'm sure that was planned, that the movie coming out and um, Martin Luther King Day intersect like that. But a quote that I posted on our page, which I think a lot of other people have posted too, but it's my favorite, um, one of my favorite MLK um, quotes is that darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And I think it's just a good reminder in the big picture, in the macro picture of our world of hating others or being uncomfortable with others, that that doesn't somehow create change. And also in our own homes that sometimes we think anger and yelling and um, fear is going to create change in our children. And really it's only light and love that create change. So, um, you know, he just says it very eloquently. And I like to celebrate this man because you know that he was 39 when he died. It's crazy. He did a lot in a little bit of time. Oh, my gosh. Um, Ridiculous. Um, uh, I forgot to promote our Friday show of conversations with people we love. We have a doctor, a sleep doctor. His name is Dr. Darius, and I don't want to butcher his last name. So you have to look at the show notes. But this is a clip from the show that we're going to upload and make available on Friday. He works for Lori's Children's Hospital, and he's a sleep expert for children. Yeah, yeah. but it's because it's because parents get so frustrated they because they're trying. Like, imagine like you, we all know we can't control our own sleep, right? There's no button that you push and then you fall asleep, right? And so we we know that we're out of control of our, of our own sleep. I mean, how much more so that we're out of control of our child's sleep? Mm-hmm. Oh. So this ends up becoming like a major point of control. And so the child, the child really just wants love yeah. and, and reassurance and to know that everything's okay. And the parent just really wants the kid to go to sleep because they know that medically it's important. It's important for the neurocognitive development. It's important for also them to have some time. Where they That's don't what I was going to say. Exactly. <laughs> There's Dr. Darius. It's a good show. It's a really good show. And we actually did the interview a while back, but we've been saving it for a good yeah, time. I think we teased you in December and we never uploaded it. So we're going to do it this Friday. Yeah, it's it's really good. So anybody who has any questions or thoughts or issues or history with poor sleep and your kids, or even for you, um, listen to that show. And I'm going to say keep trucking, everybody. Thank you very much. Have a great week. And we'll catch you next week. On the flip side. On the flip side. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.